Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. This is going to be a real life stories edition of the Grace Point Daily Podcast, a missions editions. Guys, this has been so amazing the last few weeks, last month or so. We have been interviewing missionaries every single week and their stories. It truly has been amazing. We kicked it off with Chris Carter, missionary to Japan. We have had a guy named Tim Land, missionary to Africa, John Bean, Slovakia, Mark Turney to Togo. And we have a bunch of these lined up that will last for the next, literally the next few months, maybe more. I don't know. Uh, I hope they just keep going and going because they're such great stories. So what I want you to do is listen to it clearly. But then when you get done, I hope that you send someone a DM, share the link, post it on your Facebook page your social media, whatever it might be, because these are great stories so, so inspiring. And today we have a couple named Nathan and Tara Anders. They're missionaries to Asia Pacific, excuse me. And they're going to talk a little bit more specifically about where they're at in this area, what they're doing. I know their story is going to be amazing. Please like, share, and subscribe to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We appreciate that very much. Let's not waste any time. Let's get them on to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Here they are, Nathan and Tara Anders, Anders, Asia Pacific. How are you guys? Thanks for joining us. We're doing good, Pastor. How are you? Hey, we appreciate it so much. Hand clap for you guys. Thanks for being on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Well, we are excited to hear your story and hear about you, your family, and your ministry. These stories are awesome. Uh, I know yours is going to be great, but the ones we've had have been so, so great. Uh, I'm struggling because I want to quit being a pastor and I want to be a missionary after hearing all these great stories. Mm -hmm. That's great. There's always a place more pastors. Yeah, that's what they say. That's what they say. So we'll see. I'm an Africa junkie myself, done a lot of short terms to Africa, Central, Southern, East, a little bit of the West there. So uh, I'm itching so bad to get back. And I'm sure you guys are as well. We are. Well, we're having a short term trip next summer to Papua New Guinea. You'll have to come see what you think of that. Yeah. We'll be going into the bush there to do some uh, contacting a tribe that we haven't currently had contact with to see about doing church planning efforts there in the future. So it'd be a really neat exposure trip. Yeah, that would be, that'd be cool. I'd definitely be open to that. And as I always tell missionaries, I have some missionaries. I'm like, okay, I'm the, I'm the guy that like, you don't just, just say that to Cause then like it, I'll actually do it, you know, like, so. Amen. <laughs> anyway, so praise God. Well, give us a little bio about who you guys are, your family. Well, uh, I'm Nathan. My wife is Tara. We've been married for about just under 18 years. And uh, we actually celebrate this month of April, our 24th year since we had our first date, our first get-together time and hangout. And so uh, we've had an a incredible relationship. Now we got two beautiful girls. We have Catherine, who is 15, and we have Esther Rose, who is 8. It's crazy to think after our next term, we'll bring Catherine back to get placed in college. Uh, it's hard when you break up your chunks of life into these terms. Mm-hmm. And so we've had a little bit of a uh, emotional response to thinking about that for our next term. But anyhow, uh, we are a team. We, we actually say on our prayer cards, everything we're team Anders. And that's because we feel that our family is a team and we're in it together. We don't feel like that. I'm the only one called and everybody has to go along with me. We believe that we're all in it together, that there wasn't a surprise to God in this, that all of a sudden there's a family that his calling goes with all of us, and our girls uh, are such a vital part. They minister at the level they're at, and they encourage us when we're down, and uh, it, it is a real team effort. 
That's great. And I had mentioned that I f- as I was talking to you guys prior to starting the show here is that I feel like that theme is resonating more and more with more missionaries that I talked to this, that, that we're called as a family, that mentality and that mindset. I think that's such a beautiful thing. Yeah, it absolutely is. We believe that it is. Well, in fact, our first church, when I left uh, career in law enforcement to go on staff at a church at Life 360 Church in Springfield, our pastor at our campus, uh, Tom Cedarblum, he called Tara and I actually a two for one because he only had to pay the salary of one, but he got two ministers. We believe that Tara and I both are ministers. It's not just me as the husband. And uh, so I do think that there has been a shift in that. Uh, I think that some is probably just our culture is moving towards it's not just the man as the 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 only one that can do anything. I think there's this like we're all empowered to do things. So I think there's a wonderful thriving in that. But I think that there is a real, uh, I think people are recognizing that we're all in it together. And if it's just one person, the rest are along for the ride. It's going to be, could be a miserable ride for the rest of them. Yeah, that's amazing. And obviously today we have both of you on the past few episodes. I've just had one person on, but we got both of you on, but let's, and two lives coming together, but let's start off with your stories a little bit. Nathan, talk to me a little bit about your journey of faith, your testimony, if you will. Well, we actually just came back not long ago from the Southern Missouri District Camp Intercession Time. We're able to be a part of that where you meet at the campgrounds and they pray over the summer camps. And that's so important to Tara and I because, one, for me, that's where I gave my life to the Lord at kids camp. And then later in that same week, they had a, if you feel called into the ministry, come up and pray about that. And I felt that even at a very young age. Now, it took many years before that came to fruition, but God planted those seeds at camp. So I grew up that way going to camp, but I did have a time of where well, I kind of, I guess I ran from the, I ran from the Lord in a lot of different ways. I, I tried to go to the, the Bible college. I went to one year, but I had to work full time. And uh, my mom died in the second semester. I wasn't a really good student. And I kind of washed my hands of it all. But after I returned from working as a government security contractor in Afghanistan, uh, as part of my law enforcement career, my wife and I were at a missions service at Life 360 Church, and we just wept through the whole thing. We really felt there was something that was stirring in our hearts, but I kept trying to suppress it while my wife immediately embraced it and began to look on the internet at anything she could do to become a missionary, uh, to go overseas and help people. She had her degree in paramedicine, worked in the medical field, and was looking at opportunities for those things. And uh, it went off about a month and a half before she finally said, we're out on a date night at National Battlefield at the Taco Bell there. And Tara said, you know, I'm praying and I'm talking about this all the time to you about us going overseas (laughs) and working, but you don't say anything. You're being really silent. And so I told her that I was just nervous because I kind of felt like I failed the first time. And that would have been in 96 to 97. So now we're sitting here at 2009. Uh, and, but we prayed and we committed, we held hands. We cried right there on that parking lot and we prayed and said, God, we'll go wherever you want us to go and we'll do whatever you want us to do. And that started the journey for us together. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I heard you talk about the calling of God at at a young age. And I think, you know, as a pastor, I want that. I want that for every kid to really encounter God, the voice of God, the calling of God. I'm not, I'm not trying to hype up my children, but uh, my girls are both graduating high school. They both are getting licensed with some God. They both want to be missionaries. 
And that that all happened on a short term missions trip when they were five and six years old in the country of Haiti, you know, and and, uh, that exposure to missions, but exposure to God experiences at at a young age to receive that calling. And, you know, once that seed is planted, I mean, you can reject it, struggle with it, battle it, but it doesn't leave. That's right. That's right. And it sounded like you, you had a little bit of that same scenario as you in your life journey, Nathan. I did. And I feel like that God just, uh, I had a lot of maturing to do. I had a lot of life experience to gain. I feel like uh, that I'm in, a, I'm in a great place now with the life experience that we both had to go to some of the places. Like we wanted to go to Afghanistan. We wanted to go there. Now we're going to a place uh, that they've said is one of the least explored countries on the planet where there's uncontacted tribes and we're going to be going into the bush to do that. And that's not everybody's bag, but with the life that he's brought Tara and I through, we both feel like that's where we want to be. We don't want to be behind a computer. We praise God for those people that have giftings in those things, but yeah. <laughs> we want to be out in it. Amen. And, uh, you know, there's these as uh, the more and more, more and more interviews I do with missionaries, I keep hearing certain overarching principles and concepts. One is that, you know, our, our calling, there, there's no specific time frame that the calling of God is released in our lives. You know, it comes in these different se- seasons and, right. and, and, and different phases of life. And now how old are you, Nathan? I'm 43. Okay. 43. So, you know, we were talking to, I was just talking to the last missionary that we talked to, uh, Tim land to Africa. He was talking about, you know, the Sims God back in the day, if you were over 35, like <laughs> you couldn't get approved or, um, right. you know, things like that. And I'm, I'm not here to bash that point or be like, what were we thinking? But I, I think it's refreshing to know that it's never too late. Uh, right. and there's no specific era or phase of life where you cannot step into what God has called you to do and God has That's called right. you to be. I, I believe that completely. I think there will be some unique challenges. They talk about learning language, how the older you get, the harder it gets. Mm-hmm. So the prime is in your twenties. You know, if you're going to go and learn a language, they've talked about that. Uh, there's science behind that. But at the same time, the other things that you gain in real world experience, I believe can't be, uh, can't be like it, it, it has value to it. Yeah. Praise God. I'm, I'm excited to hear how that begin began to flush out between both of you heard a little bit, but Tara, talk to me a little bit about your testimony, your upbringing, spiritual journey. Uh, for me, Nathan and I grew up really differently. I grew up in a more uh, worldly home. My mom was a first generation believer as a young adult. Once my, I have one older sister and she was already born when this happened. And, and, um, as a whole, she she probably just didn't get a quality amount of discipleship. She did her her very very best, and she raised us well. But just the dynamics of growing up for me was was a little bit rough and a little bit different. But I was always a very compassionate person. I always wanted to sit with somebody at school that was maybe sitting alone or play with somebody that didn't have somebody to play with that kind of thing. And I saw a movie, I don't even remember what it was called when I was pretty young, maybe 10 or 11. And it was about this man that became, that was a doctor. And he started going to these different countries to give healthcare where they didn't have it and, and was just helping and saving these families and, and things of issues they would have normally died from that we take for granted in America. And I thought, that's what I want to do. Like I just was so sparked in the concept of going and helping people that didn't have what they needed. 
And so I set out this plan that I would become a paramedic and that that would be the kind of work I would do through medical school and on until I could become a doctor and and then go out into the world to help people who didn't have it in underprivileged areas. And uh, little did I know that in that process, I would meet Nathan and that would just <laughs> change my life for the better, for the better. But um, so I did go ahead and become uh, paramedic and I did get started in undergraduate uh, pre-med school. But then, you know, you're married and you're responsible for everything. Mm -hmm. So a semester off turned into not going back. But God had such a beautiful plan for us in how he brought this all to pass. I would never regret anything. But that was that kind of compassionate beginning for me. So that then when we were in that mission service and there was just so much in front of us and, and it was a uh, a jubilant service of a lot of new missionaries that were there on the front. And, but as I looked at them in the dress of the local clothing of where they're going to be, I just, I just sent the Holy spirit reeling out in my mind, all this that they were going to do for all of these people and how much glory God was going to get and yeah. how lives were going to be saved. And I just felt like something that can't shake off. And I thought about it all day. I wake up thinking about it. I go to sleep thinking about it, dreams about it all day, searching everything I could of what would be some organization, something you could work with. What does that look like? I uh, wasn't really certain at the time what it was like to become a missionary. And that's when, uh, like Nathan shared, where our stories come together. And I just let him know because he wouldn't talk as much with me about it. And so I let him know that I really believe that God would work in unity, that he wouldn't give us Nathan as the head of our home and only put this in my spirit. So so we committed there and in that prayer time and God just opened door after door. Yeah. He wants he wants his will to happen. And so he he makes it available and we were told by a dear uh, missionary friend Iva Jean when we were younger and she said God will make an impossible this is Will when you're looking for it, and he did that for us. Yeah. So, ba so basically, uh, on a date at Taco Bell, you basically had to rebuke Nathan and be like, yeah. "What's your problem? What What is your problem, man? Come on, we're at Taco Bell. We got Nachos Bell Grande in front of us, and you want to talk about the heart of God? Let's go here. No, just kidding. All right, that's what that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm kind of envisioning right now. What's funny is if you know me, I am so not confrontational. I am very, very sweet, very tender-hearted, very sensitive kind of personality. Uh, love my supportive role as his wife and and the mother of our girls and stuff. So this is a one time I just know that God was really wanting us to bring it bring yeah. it all to the forefront. Yeah, let's work back a little bit here, Tara, on your story. Talk to me about when was that? What age were you when you uh, this movie you referred to? about the doctor and all that kind of stuff. What age yeah, were you when I that was, happened? I was probably 10 or 11. I was somewhere probably around fourth grade, somewhere between probably third and fourth grade through that. And, and uh, that is actually around the time that my parents had fully separated and the divorce was about to take place and stuff. And, and uh, I think in retrospect, knowing now what I know of the Holy spirit and the work of the Holy spirit, I really think that, that there was just some comfort and some, beginning like pathway laying out of motivation of how the Holy Spirit still wanted to use me in my life, not get lost in all the, the difficulty and upset. Yeah. Were you saved at that point? Were you a Christian? Were you a Jesus follower or where were you at in your spiritual life at that point? Yeah. Yeah. About a year prior to that, uh, a sweet 
um, aunt of mine had led me to Jesus at a vacation Bible school the summer before that. Awesome. That's cool. And, uh, you know, one point I want to throw out as you're sharing that, that I think we, we should never forget for ourselves, but maybe for our children or grandchildren, if you're listening, those uh, kind of things is that, you know, those desires that God puts in us, skills, abilities, those are, they're not accidental. They're, <laughs> they're there for a purpose. You know, that passion and desire that you had going way back at that age, God was, that's God stuff. That's God putting that there. You know, again, the time frame of when it's released or released fully uh, is in his hands and in partnership with our obedience to him. But God begins. So, so think about that. Your kids, some of the things that their passion and their gifts, that's, that's God stuff. And that's what God was doing in you. Yeah. We're really thankful for it. We really love to see how God works in kids. He blessed us to be children's pastors for about seven years before we went into missions. That's how we gained a lot of the church and ministry experience that we have. And that was just a real gift to see the potential that kids have. Yeah. Are your girls going to be missionaries or what are they? They, they got a dream yet? I pray so. Our older daughter, <laughs> Catherine, she wants to become a physical therapist, but she does talk a lot about how that can be used everywhere. And she was really intrigued when we were in Tajikistan, uh, people with handicaps and things like that. They're just put in a back room and ignored because it's thought of as shameful if that's seen as part of your family. And that really troubled her. So I, I do believe that God's going to use that trade in a great way in America, all around the world, whether it be short-term trips, whether she goes long-term overseas on the field. Yeah. But then our younger daughter, Esther Rose, we um, we do a thing where we pray through the nations. We use the prayer cast videos to learn about the country and then pray together. And in one of them, um, just a few weeks ago, there was one, and one of the prayer points was for asking for pioneer missionaries that would come and help them to be able to to learn and grow and and evangelize the rest of their country. And so when she asked, what is a pioneer missionary? And Nathan explained to her, somebody that goes and starts something new for God there. She just very matter of fact, I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, <laughs> and I, I really believe that she is a, a very fearless, very jump right in, uh, very tender, very defensive of people, very like protective of people that are maybe being mistreated or something. And, and so she wants to be, yeah, a missionary and yeah. she wants to go where nobody else is she, or not been yet. She wants to go where the church needs to be planted. It's that, pretty cool. That's great. Well, let's talk about how your stories began to intersect with one another, how you guys began to meet and date, fall in love, all that good stuff. <laughs> this is sweet. Sorry, I'll just say a little more. And then I'm probably talking too much, but no. Nathan was working at a Walmart. So we live in a small town here in Ava, Southern Missouri. And uh, Nathan was working at Walmart. And I actually had seen him in there and thought he was this such cute boy that he never <laughs> noticed me. But then there was one day that uh, I had made kind of a new friend. We were doing track. It was towards the end of the school year and we had been at a track practice and more grades are together for that. So I was a freshman in high school, but all of the high schoolers together. And there was a girl that I had become friends with that had given me a ride because I was 15, still couldn't drive or anything yet. And she had given me a ride after the track practice, but she needed to stop by Walmart and get something before, before we went home. 
And Nathan had known this girl. She was in his youth group. Mm -hmm. And so he came over to talk with us. And she was picking out some things in the the makeup cosmetic stuff there at the store. And I'm standing there waiting. And and I get so nervous as he comes up and he tells me I don't need to buy any makeup. That I'm just far naturally too beautiful. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. It's about something. (laughs) But then I'm just so nervous. I'm just, oh, oh. It's not for me. <laughs> and so I didn't even know what to say, but that was, that was the start. Yeah. Yeah. And she, so the friend she was with was a senior and she was a part of a youth group. So I assumed that Tara was about the same grade, maybe like a year younger than me because I was just out of school. And uh, so it's definitely not ideal. And we've told our girls, they don't get to repeat the situation uh, that we went through, but God's grace through it all. Tara's mom was very gracious. <laughs> we did we weren't allowed to go on dates or anything. We just, I would come over and we'd watch a movie, have dinner together or something like that. And God kept us all the way through it. And so, yeah, like April 21st, this month is 24 years since that first time of us going to sit on top of a picnic table and, uh, and just talking and getting to, to share our, our hearts and lives and things like that. And it's just been the best thing ever. Wow. Well, not that I'm trying to stir up, you know, marital problems or issues, but Nathan, how many, how many times did you use that line prior to Tara accepting? That is, what's crazy is we've talked about it is that I can clearly see how that appears like a line, but at the time I was just smitten with her. I'm sorry. I I was a sporting goods uh, sales clerk. So I was supposed to be in the back of the store in sporting goods and I'm up in in the makeup aisle because I could, I wanted to follow them all over. And uh, I actually had never used that line before. And to me, at the time, I, I was just like, wow, you're beautiful. You don't need that. It was just what came out of the abundance of my heart, right? That's what the Bible says, that out of the abundance of heart, our mouth speaks. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, I'm struggling what to say right now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, I, you know, I think the moral of the story is there's nothing that you can't get at Walmart, right? That's right. Exactly. Praise right. God. Praise God for Walmart. If you have an open body. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, why are you, you don't have to get like the mail order brides. Just go to Walmart and, you know, That's just right. that was for try, try that. So <laughs> roll back. Yeah. When did you, so you guys started, you were a freshman in high school and then when did you guys begin to get like serious and about dating well, and getting married and all that stuff? I would say after the first year or so he would he would start to talk and dream about it because he's older than I am you know so it was further along in his mind and um but but really we we just had a couple of kind of off times you know of short breakups yeah so so we were I think just set together sometimes we say or I've told him before I think that God just knew our souls were meant to be together yeah. I really think of him in Song of Solomon it talks about my beloved is mine and I am his and and in the commentary it talks about the beloved there meaning soulmate like nothing else for them the only one for them that kind yeah. of thing and I and I really think that God blessed us with that we yeah. couldn't be happier oh yeah yeah I feel like we're best friends like if I know there's a lot of you know, my friends or something from high school, they, they want to go have a guy's night or something. And I, I really feel like I don't want to do any of that. Like my wife is my best friend. I don't need a guy's night. I want to go hang out with my wife. And so it's honestly kind of funny whenever there's a men's <laughs> event or a women's event, we don't actually do uh, well at those. We go, but we don't normally do well at those because I know it sounds cheesy, but we just really want to be together. And mm-hmm. I feel like I don't, 
you know, maybe like I'm not getting my full breaths when she's not around, you know, I'm like <laughs> operating on one lung. I get air, but just not enough. <laughs> yeah. So you fall in love at Walmart in a cosmetic section. That's right. That's right. And Isn't that dreamy? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was the dream uh, when you eventually get married? What was the dream? What was the, what was the goal in terms of being a couple? You're, you're, I mean, obviously you love each other. You get married. Did the missions dream start at that point or what was the dream when you first got married? No, it wasn't the missions dream yet. As a matter of fact, we were great uh, lay people in church. Like yep. we helped with anything. We cleaned the church. We helped in toddlers church. We would be sponsors with youth events or youth, you know, regularly on their service van, nights. Yep. We drive the van, like just basically anything you can think of. And we love to be there. We helped with everything. So we were real active in our church, but Nathan loved his law enforcement career. He loved being on a special response team. I felt focused in school. I really wanted to be a doctor. We had agreed that we would wait on having children until I got further along in school where it could be more feasible. Maybe even once I was finished with school and just in a residency program, like we had, we had really come together in what we thought was our earthly plan and feeling fine. I don't know that there was any thought necessarily of, is this enough for God? We, felt fine in what we were doing right. for the church. You know, we, we felt like we were good Christians and, and I don't think we really sold out to being the followers of Jesus that he wanted from us until, um, Nathan went to work in Afghanistan for a security contract. And that's where God planted the seeds for those people. And I'll let him talk about that. But when he came back, and we were at that service. It's just really how God may, I think of like those time-lapse things where you see a plant coming up out of the ground and then it quickly, the leaves unfold and the, the blossom turns into this beautiful flower. Mm -hmm. I think that mission service we were at, that's what happened. Just this time-lapse of what God had planted just came to fruit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's go to that mission service in just a second, but you bring up a point that, I kind of bring up, like, I believe a lot of people are like, what's my purpose? What's my gift? What am I supposed to do? And I think there's books and there's classes on that that are healthy. But sometimes I take this a bit of approach. I just, my advice is always just start saying yes to God. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. You, when the pastor says, hey, I need someone to help me uh, mow the yard this Saturday, just say yes. Uh, yeah. There's a, there's an outreach at your church. Hey, we need some volunteers for uh, to run a booth, just say yes. And I, yeah. and I just believe that in saying yes, you begin to figure that out and, and God begins to orchestrate where you need to go anyway. And so it's right. not, I appreciate, you know, books, knowledge or classes or giftings test, but I think there, uh, th there's just a beauty in just saying yes to God. And as you do that, he begins to order the steps and put things into alignment. I agree completely. I feel like that because we have been asked before, like, especially in our, our first term, when we were wanting to go to Afghanistan. People would ask and we are itinerating like, what, how did that happen that yeah. you would want to go there? And I said, well, it wasn't like a, all of a sudden God called us in one service to go to Afghanistan. It wasn't like that for us. It was we look back on our journey and it's a whole bunch of small yeses that one day leads you to a big yes. But you don't even it's mm -hmm. like you don't even realize it almost. You're just, like you said, saying yes to whatever God wanted us to do. Just say yes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Amen. So uh, you're, you're, let's now hop into that kind of the, one of the bigger moments, or you keep referring to this mission service that was so powerful where you really mm-hmm. felt like God grabbed a hold of you for now that mission's calling. Yeah. I would say, and what's crazy about it, what Tara alluded to earlier is that it wasn't like a big, someone's preaching a word and you're going to get moved by that. It was a service that they have that they bless missionaries. And I want to be careful in case some missionary associate out there hears it because it's, when you go to be a fully appointed, it's the thing that this particular church does to bless new fully appointed missionaries. And they want it to be kind of a surprise. Right. It's a surprise. So they do it in the summertime when all the new candidate missionaries are there in Springfield. They're, it's, they're very intentional about yeah. it. They save money for an entire year to be able to be this kind yeah. of blessing. But it it is really jubilant. Yeah, it's a like, celebration. It is just a big party. It's wonderful. It's a celebration of God being known and made famous, Jesus being made famous around the nations. But it, it yeah. us. God used it. Yeah, they, what they, they, they prayed the missionaries in. They shoot off confetti cannons. They have all these different things. They bless missionaries. And really, the missionaries only get a – there's a handful of them that will speak maybe like a one- or two-minute window. But it's not – so for us, it was like it wasn't that someone spoke something and like it grabbed us, like maybe a lot of missionaries we've heard. It was, there was just something that God used that time, like the Holy Spirit used in Tara's mind to see what all of them were doing. For mm-hmm. me, it was just like this. I don't know. I couldn't stop crying. Like they're not. Wow. They're just, yeah. They're just, we were so <laughs> yeah. So, so as, you, as you say yes to the call of God to be a missionary, uh, you know, I know I, I'm sure it's been said before and we talk about this, you know, it's it's one thing to say yes, but there's there's always the process. There's always the process yeah. from, you know, you don't become a missionary. You don't say yes to become a missionary and then buy an airplane ticket on a kayak or orbits or whatever and then just fly over there. There's a process okay. there to is. stepping into that. Talk about that a little bit. Well, for us, the process went. Uh, we had committed that we were going to go and do. And after one Wednesday night service, we were I was standing and talking to our campus pastor and just kind of sharing, hey, we're committed to this. Almost just telling my pastor about what God was doing in our life. Yeah, like the testimony of yeah. the acceptance of the call to mission. Right. And uh, he just looks at me and he says, give me a little bit of time. I think we have something for you. And I was like, what? what you? I, I was not expecting that. Anyhow, the way Tara mentioned open doors, within a month and a half, we were placed as part-time children's pastors. We were put on a stipend and then... Um, Working alongside another children's pastor to help right. teach us and, and grow us. Right. And so then after a year and a half, they offered us full-time. And I left law enforcement for good. That was March of 2011. I walked away from law enforcement and my career for good. And they helped Nathan get involved in the school of ministry yep. through the district to get his education for credentials. Yep. We got our credentials. And so it's, it was a process. I mean, you know, a year and a half of part-time work and then beginning the school of ministry. And that was about two years of schooling. And, uh, and then the cool thing with God is he even redeemed that one year that I felt like was a failure from uh cbc back in 96 to 97 god blessed that and the district gave me credit for my certified level so i was actually able to go into get my license level straight away and then uh now we're ordained so Intera's actually uh just about finished up with her credentials and uh, will be a credential minister as well so it, it does take time for us it took several years right right <laughs> 
Wow. So uh, as you talk about, you know, you, you step into that, but really the process of as you begin to fundraise and, and that whole period, uh, I, I want people to hear about that, that portion of missions, raising the funds and all those kind of things. And what happens during that time? Actually, for our person, our personalities are very extroverted. Mm-hmm. And so itineration for us is a real joy. Yeah, we can we love it so sincerely say it is a real joy. We love going to the new places. We love to meet new people. One of the incredible things that God has shown us through how he's really called our girls, our girls love change. Uh, Yes, they do. That, I mean, like it is wild to say they get excited every house we live in. They get excited every place we go through COVID and things were uh, held up in the house for a while and they were so stir crazy. So they, they love to travel, love to go on trips, love to be around, and they, they do well meeting new people also. So God's really blessed all of us in that. But then on the side of like spirituality, there is an intense faith building. Not everyone you meet is supportive of your vision. Not everywhere you go do they accept missions as a viable uh, work and prospect. Like it is not always well received. Um, sometimes there's a lot of hard work with very little earthly benefit. I, I'm not really sure necessarily what words you, sometimes you think something's going, had gone really well. And then maybe, maybe there's not even an honorarium. Maybe there's no offering. Maybe there's nothing to put into the account. So there's some highs and lows in it where God really builds your faith in his sovereignty and, and that he's going to get you yeah. there. Oh, yeah. It's really a time of getting um, and growing and pruning and the prayer support and connecting with people. And it's, yeah, it's it's so encouraging. We have support coast to coast, uh, from New York down to Florida, from California to South Carolina. I mean, and, 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 and it, it's crazy. Arizona, Michigan, all over. But, you know, something that was really great once we were in our first term is we would get contacted from different people in different yeah. places that support us where they were woken in the night to pray for us yeah. or or that they had had a dream or vision about us or something of prayer time for us that was insanely encouraging, like just uncanny how the Lord will use that for you. And then while we were on the field, we got to meet other workers and missionaries from other organizations that didn't go through a process like this. Mm-hmm. And they're really missing out on that. They don't get that. Right. They don't have they don't have prayer group people. They don't have people that contact them. They they miss a lot of that faith building that God's going to come through no matter what. That it gives this kind of tangible peace to His calling. And they miss that. They've told us that they wish they did have that with yeah. their organization. Cool. We've talked so much about the pre stage, but. Let's now talk for just a few minutes and we'll wrap it up here in just a few minutes. Well, let's talk about the moment you hop on the plane and step into your first term. Yeah. As I just get a sigh of a smile that God just blessed everything. It was so smooth getting all the footlockers through all the airports and stuff. And when we got to our final destination and it's just so different, it smells different. It looks different, like the lights are this weird humming and it's everything's yellowed and it's dirty and it's just you you are not in Kansas anymore. You know, like it is <laughs> it is different. But there is just this like breathing in God's breath, just this all coming to pass. So whatever you could 
whatever you could imagine of something you really, really want coming to pass, it's better than that. It's amazing. Yeah. And what did you do on your first term? What was your first term primarily doing as far as missions? Uh, in, in that setting, in a Muslim context, our first term, we were to learn language. So our focus was on learning language and learning culture. And uh, so that occupies most of your week. We did also have an English club once a week in our home of an evening that a lot of uh, upper teenagers and young uh, college age students, people, young adults would want to come in. And we had a conversation club. We didn't teach English. It was just a conversation club where they could come and practice the English they already have, hear native speakers speak English and begin to learn. And, and then we would use different uh, parts of Proverbs and different things. Uh, we would pull a topic out that would hopefully stir conversation um, uh, towards the gospel. And many would come early for that the next week or stay late because they didn't want to ask all their questions about the gospel, maybe in front of other friends, because it'd be a little bit nerve wracking in the Muslim country. But that was our, our main focal point for connection and ministry. And then of course we believed in broad seed sowing. I mean, some of our stories are of meeting people out in a bazaar or in a, uh, the markets, things like that. And a taxi ride. I mean, the Holy spirit pulled me out one night of a taxi and I mean, literally grabbed me by the back of the pants. I was across the street talking to a guy before I knew it. And then there's this beautiful un- unfolding story of this gentleman who was from actually from Iran had lived in Afghanistan for several years as a philosophy teacher, had his master's of philosophy. He went from Islam to atheism to Christianity. And so, uh, and had been praying that he would meet another Christian brother. Yeah, so he was in this country looking for someone to help him learn English and to help him grow in his faith because he didn't have a Bible. All he knew is he read a book by St. Augustine of Hippo called City of God, and uh, he knew that was truth and wanted that. And so sure enough, he God put us together, and uh, we found all of this out. A friend of ours had a, a, a Farsi Bible in his language, was able to get it to him. So it's just a... God uses you in incredible ways when you're just available to him. That's awesome. Well, uh, so many great thoughts, stories. Um, I, you know, I'm going to be thinking about the Walmart store all day long. I apologize. Right. I shouldn't be thinking more spiritually, but I'll probably just think about that the whole day now. Uh, anyway, and I'll, I'll try that one on my wife tomorrow morning, you know, as we're getting ready you know, next to each other and see if that works on her anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. Hey, tell me as we kind of wrap things up here, Give me, I believe that there's an anthem that flows out of people, that there's kind of this message or, or anthem, if you will, that God puts in your heart. What do you guys find that throughout your years of being together on the mission field with family, kids, parents, husband, wife, what's the anthem that God has given you that just keeps flowing out of your life? Yeah, the thing that comes to mind instantly for me is uh, Proverbs twenty four eleven, where he talks about we're going to save those staggering towards the slaughter, actually. And so we all feel really, um, we're real competitive and things by nature, like what we talked about. Uh, we're real extroverted and we are very, very passionate about what God's called us yeah. into. And so we all really feel like Jesus is worth risking it all of whatever it looks like to be there in front of those gates of hell and plead and save and get people to turn back and to see that Jesus is life. Yeah. 
yeah, we feel like like our 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 thing now after even experiencing a transition of going a couple places, we feel like God gave us a dream for here, and then the door closes, and then God resurrects a dream in us to go to Papua New Guinea. So what we've processed not so much is the location; it's about our family wants to be gospel access to those without it, and then we want to have an adventure on the way. Yeah. Praise God. Such good stuff, man. I really appreciate you guys hopping on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I hope that many people dial in, listen, and again, share it with someone else because this is God's stuff flowing out of you. And and I know that you're not trying to get the glory, but you're trying to give all the glory to Jesus no. Christ yeah. and what he's done in your life and your family. So God bless you guys. Keep going. And I thank you for dialing in and being with us here on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Hey, guys, we will talk to you next time.